Welcome to Texas Ag Today, a daily look at the latest news in Texas agriculture. Texas Ag Today is produced by the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network, with the largest farm news team in the Lone Star State. Now here's the host of Texas Ag Today, Carrie Martin. Hello Texas, so glad you're taking time to join us for another edition of Texas Ag Today. Jump on in with me, buckle up, and let's take a ride around the Lone Star State as we cover the most important industry in this greatest state in the nation, Texas agriculture. In the news today, we take a look at the 75% plan. That was a plan hatched by the cattle industry a little over a year ago to help improve price discovery and increase cash trade in the fed cattle market. So is it working? We'll check in with a Texas A&M economist to get his analysis on how the plan is working so far. My name is Kerry Martin. I'm your host, along with the largest and most experienced farm news team in the Lone Star State. And we're all standing by to bring you the latest news in Texas agriculture. From the Piney Woods of East Texas to the rocky ranges of the Trans-Pecos. And from the Panhandle down to the Rio Grande Valley. When you talk cotton in the Texas High Plains, this is probably a season that has turned out better than some might have expected, especially early on. I'm James Hunt, and I'll have that story on Texas Ag Today. The U.S. and Texas orange industries are attempting to reduce foreign tariffs through trade agreements to open more international markets for American oranges. I'm Tom Nicoletti, and I'll have that story on Texas Ag Today. Fall weather has finally arrived in the Coastal Bend area. This is Harvey Buring reporting from Corpus Christi. We'll have those stories plus Texas wildlife news and a complete look at the markets all coming up. There has been a voluntary effort underway in the cattle industry to increase negotiated trade in the fed cattle market. It's called the 75% plan and it went into effect in January of this year. So what has been the result of the plan so far? Texas A&M Extension economist Justin Benavides has done some analysis. So uh, this third quarter has us sitting in a pretty good spot in terms of negotiated trade volumes per the 75% plan. You know, we needed to, for instance, Texas, Oklahoma, New Mexico needed to trade 9,750 head on a weekly basis negotiated in order to meet the parameters of the 75% plan. And we only didn't make that threshold one week and we only missed the cutoff by about a hundred head. Overall negotiated trade is up quite a bit with a bulk of that being in negotiated grid with negotiated cash staying about where it's been with fluctuations depending on the week. Benavidez says those third quarter results are a big improvement over what we saw in the first two quarters of this year. So for now it looks like the 75% plan is having some positive results in improving negotiated cash trade. Texas milk production fell last quarter, but it's still higher than at this time last year. According to the U.S. Department of Agriculture, from July to September, dairies in Texas produced 3.8 billion pounds of milk. That's down 4% from the previous quarter, but is actually 4% higher from the same quarter last year. 
There were around 625,000 head of cattle on Texas dairies from July to September. That's up 31,000 head from the same quarter in 2020. It's 3,000 head higher than the same time last year. U.S. milk production topped 55.9 billion pounds last quarter. For the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network, I'm Jessica Domel. Harvest has ramped up in the Texas Coastal Bend, and 2021 will go down as a year of too much rain in that part of the state. Chris Busick farms cotton, corn, and sorghum near Victoria. We got dry, we were kind of concerned about it, and then here comes in May the first 10-inch rain, and we're like, oh, this is terrible, but if we only knew what we were going to have after that, 10-inch rain wasn't bad, we could have stopped there. But then it just kept raining and raining and raining. So I guess you say we lost our milo, but insurance made us harvest it. We had a major loss there. It had probably the best milo we've ever had. I mean, it was phenomenal, and you just sit there and watch it. End of June, just start sprouting. Busick says they're now trying to get fall field work done to repair the damage the wet harvest caused to their fields. The cotton in the Texas High Plains has turned out much better than most were thinking early in the season. James Hunt tells us this 2021 crop is ending on a high note. That old proverb, all's well that ends well, seems very appropriate for describing this cotton season around the region. As we've talked about a number of times before, due to some weather complications early on, area cotton was running about two weeks behind throughout most of the season. But Mark Brown of Plains Cotton Growers says having some warmer than normal days in September and early October allowed the crop to catch up on the heat units it was lacking. And on the flip side of temperature concerns, thankfully, an early freeze has not been an issue. We've been very fortunate on that so far, James. Uh, And we did pick up on October the 16th. The West Texas Mesonet reported some sub-freezing conditions in some locations up in that Muleshoe area and in some of those higher elevations of the panhandle. Now, I do know I've personally traveled last week up to the Spearman and the Pampa, Perryton areas, and those areas are still in good shape. So even though we might have had some locations that had some frost conditions or might have even had a light freeze, For the area overall and in general terms, we did avoid freeze conditions during early to mid-October. Brown says with harvest still in the early stages, this is shaping up to be an exceptional year for local cotton farmers. It's very rare that you have good prices and you also have good yield. And it appears that that's what we're going to have on the Texas High Plains this year. So we're very blessed. On the quality side, Brown says the classing offices have been giving this year's crop pretty good marks as well. I'm James Hunt on the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. The Texas orange industry is seeking more global opportunities. Tom Nicoletti has the story. My guest today is Dr. Luis Rivera. He is a professor and extension economist with the Texas A&M AgriLife Extension Service and also director of the Center for North American Studies. And uh, Dr. Rivera, your center recently concluded a study for the Texas Department of Agriculture on the orange market for 
Texas oranges. Why is this study important? Yes, it is. Uh, it is important uh, because there's a lot, a lot of producers, mainly down in in the uh, Lower Rio Grande Valley, that depend on on, on the production of oranges. Uh, that's their business. Our main market for uh, Texas oranges is Canada, and there's a lot of opportunities just to uh, keep expanding our markets in uh, in several receiving countries as well as opening others. One of the main issues that we're facing, though, is tariffs in in several of our main markets. is uh, It's really hard to compete with others uh, because of those high tariffs. And also transportation costs, because most of the countries that import or the largest importing countries uh, are on the other side of the world. But it's still, you know, our product is is, is, is good, high quality, and uh, very competitive. If we can uh, try to reduce through trade agreements with uh, with all those countries that try to reduce those tariffs, then it's going to put us in a very uh, good competitive position. Now, why is Canada number one on the export list uh, for Texas oranges? Overall, there there's a uh, relationship with them. There's no tariffs with Canada. Canada, they don't produce oranges, so it's a very natural market for us. Uh, They know our product. Uh, It's very close. Uh, We're close to them. So it's um, in terms of competitiveness, uh, we're right there. I'm Tom Nicoletti with the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. Fall weather has finally arrived in the coastal bend area of Texas. Harvey Buring has an update from Corpus Christi. Well, fall weather and lower humidity and less heat is always welcome in South Texas, and it is the best time of the year for weather conditions. And here in South Texas, farmers have been taking advantage of that good weather by uh, getting current on their field work, taking care of stalk destruction on the cotton side of their crop, and also getting primary tillage work completed for next year's crop. Now, soil moisture is certainly abundant in most locations, and the major activity for agriculture, you could say, is ginning. As the gins in South Texas and the South Texas trade area that runs into the upper coast as well as the Rio Grande Valley shows that 50 of the 51 gins in that territory continue to submit samples to the Corpus Christi cotton classing office and from all indications the crop quality is very good this year with 85 percent of the cotton received has been in the preferred color grades of 31 and 21 and those cotton samples continue to show excellent micronair with 4.7 being the average there strength running over 30 gram per tex and the average staple length running 1.15 inches so a great quality crop good yield in most locations this year and it appears that the number of bales received has surpassed the million bale mark here as of mid-october well one of the other big activities going to be taking place here at the end of october in new Oasis county is the annual ag awareness event that's for the fourth grade school students and this year It looks like they'll have over a 1,000 participants taking place next week at the fairgrounds in Robstown. Teaching stations, there are 10 of them, and they cover the gamut of agricultural production and also focus on dairy production thanks to the exhibit uh, from Southwest Dairies and modern farm equipment provided by King Ranch Ag and Turf. The event annually sponsored by Texas AgriLive with the cooperation of the Nueces County Farm Bureau and the Soil and Water Conservation Districts. 
So a lot going on here in the coastal bend for fall activities, and we're certainly enjoying the weather. This is Harvey Buring reporting from the Corpus Christi area for Texas Ag Today. Quail hunting season is just around the corner, and there's reason for hunters in some parts of the states to temper their expectations. I'm Jessica Dommel, and I'll have more coming up on Texas Ag Today. And African swine fever is now present in our hemisphere, but there may be a vaccine on the horizon. Texas veterinarian Dr. Bob Judd has more on that coming up next, right here on Texas Ag Today. Texas Farm Bureau Insurance has protected fellow Texans with auto, home, health, and life insurance since 1952. With more than 260,000 square miles of land and 27 million people, that's a lot to cover. Whether you're wrangling cattle or wrangling kids, we're proud to protect Texans in all Texan ways of life. Visit Texas Farm Bureau Insurance today at tfbinsurance.com to get insurance for Texans by Texans. Coverage and discounts are subject to qualifications and policy terms and may vary by situation. We're keeping you informed on everything happening in Texas agriculture on Texas Ag Today. We've been reporting for the last couple of months about the arrival of African swine fever here in the Western Hemisphere. In fact, it's in the Dominican Republic and Haiti, so that's awfully close to the United States. But there is some good news. Dr. Bob Judd says there may be a vaccine on the horizon. The United States Department of Agriculture indicates that the vaccine has been shown to prevent and effectively protect both European and Asian bred swine against the current circulating Asian strain of African swine fever. Bovine Veterinarian reports that the agricultural research scientists at USDA have developed a vaccine that can be commercially produced while still being effective. It is believed a commercial partner can replicate the results and prevent spread of the virus. The initial vaccine tested was with the initial strain of the virus, but now the positive test results have been received using a recent isolate of swine fever. Studies of the vaccine has revealed that immunity occurred in one-third of the swine tested by the second week after the vaccine was given, and full protection was achieved in all swine by the fourth week after vaccination. A commercial vaccine will be important for controlling disease spread in areas of outbreaks, as this disease can have an effect on the global pork supply. The next step is to produce the vaccine under commercial conditions and then test the vaccine in a commercial swine operation. Agriculture Secretary Tom Vilsack indicates that scientific research, discovery, surveillance, and detection are critical to solving challenging problems that the American producers face to keep our food supply robust and safe. The Agricultural Research Service has successfully engineered and patented five experimental vaccines and has fully developed seven licenses with pharmaceutical companies to develop these vaccines. I'm Dr. Bob Judd. This is the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. Quail season is just around the corner, but Jessica Domel says hunters in some areas of Texas may need to temper their expectations for quail season this year. The start of statewide quail hunting season is just a few days away, 
And the Texas Parks and Wildlife Department is forecasting a below-average hunting season for hunters in the Rolling Plains, an above-average season in South Texas, and below-average to average in West Texas. John McLaughlin, Upland Game Bird Program leader for the Texas Parks and Wildlife Department, said hunters in an area with lower-than-expected numbers may want to consider conditions in their area when hunting. We don't believe that hunting is impacting statewide populations. What, what I would say is that, yes, certainly at a local level, there is the ability to over-harvest or to harm your population by harvesting when densities are low. And so I would say is if you're in South Texas and birds are abundant, you know, I would go about your normal hunting season and, and harvest you know, based on your personal comfort. But certainly if you're in an area where you're only seeing a few cubbies, we would certainly advise you to maybe forego hunting. Or if you do want to go hunting, and certainly want to provide that opportunity to just maybe moderate your hunting and what that means is only taking a few birds out of a particular covey or once you flush a covey to move on and try and go to a new area. So certainly a, a level of moderation we would advise. And, and certainly if you wanted to to do the most for your birds in areas where there are really low densities this year, foregoing hunting altogether would be a reasonable option. That was John McLaughlin for the Texas Parks and Wildlife Department. Statewide quail hunting season opens October 30th and runs through February 27th. There are no changes to quail hunting regulations this year. Hunting is allowed for bobwhite quail, scaled quail or blue quail, and gambles quail. There is no open season for Montezuma quail. The daily bag limit is 15 birds for those allowed. Possession limit is 45 birds. For the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network, I'm Jessica Dolmel. It was a good day in the agricultural markets on Tuesday. We saw a higher close for cattle, cotton, and grains. We'll update all of the livestock, cotton, grain, energy, and financial markets coming up next. Keep it right here on Texas Ag Today. As harvest begins, the American Seed Trade Association reminds farmers to be diligent in taking the proper precautions to ensure treated seed does not enter the domestic or export grain supply. When properly handled, seed treatments are an effective agronomic tool that provides seeds the necessary protection for a strong, healthy start. Completely remove all treated seed left in containers and equipment used to handle harvested grain and dispose of it properly. Always be careful to follow state and federal guidelines for proper handling, storage, and disposal of treated seed. For more information, visit seed-treatment-guide.com or contact your seed dealer. We're giving you the market information you need on Texas Ag Today. The cattle market continues to climb following that bullish USDA cattle on feed report released on Friday. We saw follow-through buying in the market on Tuesday, pushing prices for both live and feeder cattle higher. October live cattle up $1.80, closing at $126.82. The December up $1.92, $131.45. February live cattle up $1.62 at $136.37. Same story in the feeder market. October up $0.35, $155. 97 November feeders up a dollar 30 159.77 January feeder cattle up 202 closing at 16060 Cash fed cattle trade still quiet on Tuesday no sales to report it looks like the feedlots are asking 126 and better this week no bids reported from the Packers. Boxed beef was mixed on Tuesday. Choice up 210 at 285.14. Select down 4 cents, 263.15. Now let's check the auction barns. We're walking the pens with Larry Marble. Cold Jody Fry is going to join us. And Jody, how did that sale go in San Angelo on Thursday? 
turned out pretty good. 1160 head was the total, pretty comparable numbers. Uh, I was surprised. It was a good surprise. Two to four dollars higher. Active trade, good demand on those better quality calves. Slaughter cows and slaughter bulls sold about steady. Limited supply of bred cows sold steady to slightly higher. Better quality steers, four to six hundred pounds from 125 all the way up to a high of 185, mostly 130 to 155. Six to eight hundred pound steers from 110 up to a high of near 150, mostly 120 to 140. Better quality heifer calves, four to six hundred pounds, 115 to a high of 145, mostly 120 to 135. Slaughter cows average to high yielding for 48 to 58. The highest yielding slaughter cows from 59 to 65. Thinner or lower yielding type cows, not many of those today, but those traded in a range from 30 to 45. Slaughter bulls average to high yielding from 68 to 86. Did have some of the very highest yielding slaughter bulls from 89 to a high of 93. Bread cows and heavy bred two-year-olds average to better quality baby tooth to solid mouth cows, at least medium bred to heavy bred anywhere from 750 to $1,200 per head. What do you know for next week, Jody? Well, I missed it last week. Uh, you know, we wound up with 5,700 sheep and goats. We're kind of in that trend of five to 6,000 sheep and goats. You know, deer season will be here before you know it, and that'll be a big game changer on that sheep and goat deal. I look for five to 6,000 sheep and goats on Tuesday and probably around this 1,000 or more head of cattle next Thursday. Tell everybody how to contact y'all. You bet. Office number is 325-653-3371. My mobile would be 234-7895. Neighbor, thanks so much for listening to Jody Fry and I on Walking the Pins, a production of the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. Thanks, Larry. Back over to the futures market now. Our lean hogs close lower. December hogs down a dollar sixty-two at seventy-two fifty-seven. The February down a dollar sixty-two, seventy-five fifteen. Class three milk was steadied lower. The nearby October unchanged seventeen eighty-six a hundred weight. November milk down sixty-two at eighteen seventy-five a hundred. The cotton market closed slightly higher. We're seeing the shipping situation continue to keep a lid on prices. Shipments of cotton have been greatly reduced due to the higher cost of booking container ships. We close with December cotton up 17 points Tuesday, closing at 108.71. March cotton up 31 at 106.87. The corn market finished higher. December corn up 5.5, 5.43.5. March corn up 5.5 at 5.52 and a quarter. A mix close in the wheat market. Kansas City wheat, however, still sitting at the highest level we've seen since 2014. A lot of that support coming from U.S. wheat supplies now estimated at their lowest level in 14 years. We close with July Kansas City wheat up a penny, 766 and three quarters. July Chicago wheat was down three and three quarters, 759 and a half. In the energy markets, November natural gas down six cents, 583. December crude oil up 82 cents at 84.58 a barrel. The financial market slightly higher Tuesday. The Dow up 105 points at 35,846. The Nasdaq up 30, 15,257. The S&P up 17 at 4,583. That wraps up our look at the markets, and that wraps up this edition of Texas Ag Today. My name's Kerry Martin. Hope to see you next time as we cover the most important industry in this greatest state on the planet, Texas agriculture. Thanks for listening to Texas Ag Today. Be sure to subscribe to our podcast on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or Spotify. For more Texas Ag news and information, check out our website at texasfarmbureau.org or tfbradio.com. Texas Ag Today is a production of the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network.